Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 55 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, I hope you brought your broom ready today because for the fifth time this year, the Blue Jays march down into a series and we get a sweet baby. How about that? We head over to PNC Park to meet Mm -hmm. the very much struggling Pittsburgh Pirates organization. And we do what you would think the Blue Jays would do. And finally, we get the results, man, that we were hoping for. We go into these series against weaker teams, teams we know we can shut the door on. And Jesse, man, we did it. We, we got did a sweep. It. Yes, sir. We got we got we got a sweep against the team that we definitely should have swept, and we did sweep a man. And it's easy enough to say that our pitching was much better in this series mm-hmm. and that we got a lot to talk about, a lot to look forward in this episode, man. Yeah, as I said, we do have a lot to talk about. We'll recap the sweep that we had here against the Pittsburgh Pirates. We got our thumbs up, thumbs down. We got lots of individual player performances to talk about and what this might mean going forward for this Toronto Blue Jays team. And then we got a preview, Riley, what might be the biggest series of the season so far. So lots to get to, Riley. You're ready to go. Let's rock this, Jesse. Let's go. Perfect. All right. Game recaps. Game one. The Jays won this game 4-0. The Jays got their eighth shutout of the season and the fourth in a game where Alec Manoa started. Jays scored two in the fourth off a Santiago Espinal double and then added insurance from a two-run home run by Mr. Bo Bichette. Alec Manoa, Adam Simber, and Tim Meza were all the pitchers the Blue Jays need to combine for the shutout. Good stuff there. Game two. Jays win this game 4-1. to one. The Jays run a 1-1 tie until the top of the seventh when Bo Bichette hit a bases-clearing three RBI double after an 11-pitch at-bat. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. That was epic stuff from Bo Bichette there. The Jays used seven relievers in what was a bullpen day to limit the Pirates to one run. Simber, Bass, and Meza all get credited with holds, and Jordan Romano got save number 29 on the season. And the game that just finished up probably about an hour ago here, the Jays won this game 4-3 to three over the Pirates. Jays got out to a 3-0 lead, but then the Pirates fought back to tie it at 3. Jays got a go-ahead RBI single by Teoscar Hernandez with two out in the seventh. Stripling battled a few walks, but was solid over his six innings. Phelps and Bass shut the door out of the pen, and Jordan Romano again with another save getting his 30th of the year so riley after the sweep the jays sit at 73 and 59 we're still third in the al east we're five and a half games back of the yankees but they're uh, two outs away from winning here make that six games the jays are still in the final wild card position we're at one in the game half behind both the rays and the mariners with the rays currently winning or losing sorry and the mariners currently winning and the jays are two games up on baltimore with a big series against them coming up so how are we feeling riley we feeling good feeling nervous Feeling uh, feeling awesome, man, with the pitching we got in this. And I'll tell you, I was a little bit skeptical of what we'll call the bullpen game. I'm not a big fan of using openers. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's silly a little backwards. I like my starters to get starts and go six, seven innings if they can. But you know what, Jesse? It worked out for us, and I'm super happy. Mr. Alec Manoa was dynamite. Stripling was dynamite, man. Our pitching was just great. When you go into a series and only give up four runs in three games, or that's, you know, that's something to be very proud of, man. I mean, Pittsburgh's offense is quite bad. They're worse than the National League, but you, you can only play who's on your schedule, right? And the Jays took advantage of a team they should have on paper and did beat and play well. Riley, lots of good player performances to talk about in this series. Did you want to start with one of the pitchers or should we talk about the flow himself? Oh, oh man, we're going to talk about the guy who was a big contributor in this uh, series. That's Mr. Bo Bichette, man. Mm-hmm. Um, he put the paddles down. He's finally alive, it seems like. It's been a while since we've seen this kind of performance from Bo Bichette, ex- especially in consecutive games. Bo Bichette has had these spurts. I, he seems streaky up to you know points this year, but finally 
he took the whole Jays team on his back with aside from the good pitching we got. Mm-hmm. But the, yes, the 11 pitch at bat where he hit it a double down the left field line. That's good stuff, man. He, he, he battled that bat and Bulbashed is not a guy who sees 11 pitches in an at bat. No, never. That's, Very that's rare. Stuff, yeah. It's stuff you'll love to see, man. Another dong on the year for him. Still lower in the power numbers, but you know what? Anytime he can come through for us is a, is a big is a big thing, man. It's Bulbashet. He's the shortstop, the legacy Bulbashet, as they say in MLB the show. Mm-hmm. Well, he's starting to look a little bit more like a legacy. Still a long way to go for this series, though. Definitely gets the thumbs up, man, from uh, the offensive point of view. Do we dare say, Riley, that Bulbashet is back? Is he here? He went six for twelve in the series, including that home run, like you talked about, and he had two doubles. And honestly, he should have had another double. The Pirates' left fielder, I think, it was Jake Swinsky, made a diving catch on the gap on Bobachet. And Riley, two major takeaways I want to take away that give me hope that a Bobachet breakout is coming. You talked about the eleven pitch at bat where he pulled the double down the line. It was on a fastball. How many times have we talked about how Bobachet isn't pulling the baseball? He had in game one of this series, he pulled three balls all for base hits. He hadn't done that all year. So this is the thing that Bobachet is now kind of, whether it's in a solid approach he's made or whether he's changed his game, um, but he's actually pulling the baseball now, which will allow him to go with his all-fields approach. We a much more complete hitter. Another thing, though, Bobachet, he struck out in the game three of this series, but before then, he had not had a strikeout since game two in the Angels series, a span of over 27-plus at-bats without a strikeout, which was the longest in Bobachet's career. So Bobachet, he's always had the great hand-eye coordination, and he's always been good at finding barrel on the ball when he does hit it. But if he is now not swinging at those pitches out of the zone and is pulling the baseball in his swing, I'd say look out, man. Bobachet could be back, and when he's on, he's one of the best shortstops in the game. Well, yeah, dude, he's an absolutely like one of the most dangerous hitters. And there's a lot of untapped potential in there, Jesse. His hand eye, his bat to ball skills is great. Even when he's not barreling up, we've seen Bobachet hit a lot of right field dropper flare mm-hmm. balls. So be it. And yeah, it's nice to see a more complete Bobachet, we'll say, because a lot, like we said, 11 pitches in that bat. That's not something you see from Bobachet's game. This kind of tells me. That, yeah, there's tinkering in his tools. I mean, he's definitely developing. He might be, you know, almost halfway done his developing as far as what his approach is going to be at the plate. We know he wants to go up there and mash baseballs. Oh, well, yeah. he did that in this series. Mm-hmm. He, he did that in this series, and we know he can do that. But we'll call it a more subtle approach at the plate, and it seems to be working for him, man. This was the type of thing we wanted to see from Bobachet all season. He still has those little bloops, those flares, those burners, but when he's getting a pitch to hit, he's driving it now. And God, we've waited months for this. I think a lot of Blue Jays fans forget too. Bobachet's still 24 years old. He's still under team control for a long time. He's still not making a ton of money. He is still incredibly valuable. And if this is what a bad year for Bobachet looks like, I think we're going to be just fine. I expect better things from Bo going forward, and he's a very important part for this team going into the playoffs and down the stretch here. Yeah, sign me up for a long Bo Bichette tender, man. I know things are going to get better. Yes, if you call this a down year, which you know what, Jesse, it is a down year. When we look at his, when we look at his baseball reference four years from now, we're going to see a lot of different statistics come 2023, 2024, and so on. Right? I think the COVID shortened season really screwed things up a little bit for mm-hmm. you know players and players developing. But now we're in September, Jesse. Bobachet's looking just fine, especially against a team we don't see a lot. Strong or weak, doesn't matter. We got the sweep. 
And a lot had to do with Mr. Bobachet and how he was at the plate in this series. We'll see how he performs in this next series against Baltimore. But if he performs like this, Riley, we're going to be just fine. I want to talk about a starting pitching performance. We talked about a little bit. Alec Manoa, and just like in every series sweep that your team's going to get, setting the tone in game one is always very important. And Alec Manoa did just that here. Seven and a third innings pitch, five hits, no earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. And using the Fangraphs game score metric, which I've used a handful of times on this episode before, it was Alec Manoa's third best start of the season. And he's had a lot of really good starts this season. And it was good to see Alec Manoa have a bounce back start. Because if you look at his month by month splits, his numbers have slowly been rising every single month. And in August, it, you know, it was about a mid three ZRA, but it was good to see him start the month of September with a dominant start like this. So we know it's there for Alec Manoa. And if he has a big month of September, it'll go very well because he's going to be a very important piece if the Blue Jays are going to make any run in the playoffs. When you said that sometimes we forget that that this will be Alec Manoa's first full major league season. Correct. Yes. That's, that's wild to think about. Alec Manoa is years beyond, you know, what he is. He is, he is an incredible starting pitcher. He has great poise. He has amazing stuff. I mean, when you overlay his fastball slider, he can just destroy right-handed pitchers. He he might be one of the best righty versus righty pitchers Mm -hmm. in the league. Absolutely annihilated them, man. And yes, I get it. But when you say, and if you tell me that a bad Manoa uh, stretch is a three and a half, a three six ERA, sign me up for that too, man, because those are still quality numbers in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and you know what, Jesse, he wasn't getting the run support for some of those games. Um, and but if you pitch shutout ball over seven innings, if you don't get the win, there's a lot to be disappointed in that Manoa walks out with the win, and. Here we are again. Talk about Alec Manoa. We knew this was going to happen at the start of the year, Jesse. I wish he had more wins to show for it, but wins are whatever. We know how good Alec Manoa is. I think the guy's going to finish the top five for Cy Young voting this year. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's a sophomore year. Yeah, um, he's up to 163 innings pitched on the season now, which last year, if you combined his major league and double A numbers, he was at about 130-ish. So he's already set a new career high in innings pitch, and he is up to 13 wins. you got to imagine he'll get two or three more starts to get up to 15, which is a respectable number for Mr. Alec Manoa. And my favorite stat, three and a half war. He can probably get that up to four by the season end. And one pitcher getting you uh, four wins, good stuff from Mr. Alec Manoa. Um, oh, I've been nothing but... Great stuff, man. Riley, you wanted to talk about the uh, pitcher that got the start in the finale here, Mr. Ross Stripling. Tell me about him. Yeah, I I mean, again, I'm not the guy to always talk about pitching, but I can tell when a pitcher is doing good and when a pitcher is doing bad. And Ross Stripling's numbers today, to you know, just to look at that on, on a line or on a piece of paper, you go, well, three earned runs over uh, six innings. Mm-hmm. It's nothing great. That's a four and a half ERA. But Ross Stripling does a lot of things right he seems to get a lot of hitters off balance he misses a ton of barrels and i think Mm -hmm. it's just time to show ross stripling some love my expectations for him going into this year were very low i think i've made that clear on this podcast yes but ross (laughs) stripling might be one of the biggest x factors this team has we got the sweep he started game three a very important game three can we walk out of pittsburgh with the sweep who do we got on the hill ross stripling if you were to tell me this back in february I really wouldn't have a lot of faith in that, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I would say, why is Ross Stripling starting 
you know, important games or games at all. But honest to God, man, surprising the heck out of me, surprising the heck out of a lot of people. And he's just, he's just a good pitcher to, he hits, he hits his spots. He's a workman. He's not going to, he's not, as you say, he's not overly going to be sexy out there. We'll say, but he's a worker. He misses the barrel. He gets hitters off speed, man. I mean, and today I don't know the exact strikeouts. He was over a strikeout inning. I think eight, maybe yeah, eight. Yeah, over eight. six yeah. innings. So, I mean, what more can you want? I mean, yeah, the three earned runs, whatever, 4.5 ERA doesn't look great. But Ross Stripling went out there and rocked it, man. It was a couple little bad innings, a couple hiccups, but Stripling rocked it, man. We got the sweep because of him. I know I've made this comp on our show before, but I'm going to say it here again. Ross Stripling down the stretch here this year reminds me so much of what Marco Estrada was in those 2015s and 2016 se uh, seasons. A guy whose stuff generally doesn't blow it by you, but he can get enough on the fastball with good spin that he can induce a lot of pop-ups. And the changeup. The changeup is his best pitch, Riley. You mentioned the eight strikeouts he had in the game today. He had 16 swinging strikes, 13 of them came on the changeup today. And the thing I like the most is he actually, he realized that the changeup is my best pitch. He threw it 45% of the time. And, you know, if you have this weapon that is so good, like Ross Stripling's changeup, going out and leading with that pitch is, is just going to be good. Throw your better pitches more often and you'll have more better results. Um, I do think Ross Stripling is going to start a playoff game for this team when we get there. And he's been, not only has he been good at suppressing hits, He's been one of the best in the league at uh, not drawing walks. In fact, his walk rate is 4%, which is tied with teammate Kevin Gosman and good for third best in the American League. So he's rarely allowing hits. He's rarely allowing walks. I don't know about you, but the job of pitching is to supplement base runners. And Ross Stripling has been doing just that this season. You want to not allow runners on base? Mm -hmm. You got a guy with who walks guys 4% of the time. And I don't even care. Strikeouts were a little bit high today. We know we're not going to see a lot of strikeouts from Ross Stripling. But yeah. 13 swing and miss on the changeup, man. There's nine innings in a baseball game. He pitched six. So that's basically just over two swings and misses on one certain pitch. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it, it's it, they might know what you're going to throw, but his location has been awesome. I know he's not going to blow you away with the fastball, but he's certainly the way he's up. He's upset a lot of hitters timing, man. And it shows when you watch the games, it shows he doesn't. You know, he doesn't throw 99. He doesn't have big spin and loop, loop and pitches. It's more or less the control aspect, the spin rate on the pitches. He just misses the meat part of the bat, and he gets outs that way. Tampa Bay just uh, lost the Yankees 2-1. to one. It was on a pitch, a 3-2 pitch with the bases loaded for Tampa Bay that was well below the zone, but just called strike three. So I don't know if we're rooting for the Rays or the uh, Yankees here, but uh, the Rays drop another game, so the Jays are now just one game back behind Tampa Bay. So quick little update there. Uh, but Riley, moving on to some thumbs down here. I don't have a lot. The Jays swept. They played really well. But I did want to take this time. I wanted to talk about Whit Merrifield and how he's looked since the trade coming over to joining the Blue Jays. And since we got him, um, he's only hitting 208 with only one extra base hit, which you'll remember was that home run that he hit in Yankee Stadium that bounced twice off the top of the wall before going over. In fact, he has more strikeouts than he has hits since joining the Toronto Blue Jays. He's been decent off the bench. I can understand why the Jays like his positional versatility. We called it George Springer insurance when we first got him over here because he could play center field. But Riley, I do really think the time of Whit Merrifield being an impact bat is over. Now, that might be a little unfair as we haven't given him a long leash and maybe just, you know, new team. He's got jitters. He's been in Kansas City a long time. Maybe he's just nervous or whatever it is. But I am starting to have this feeling that we might back look back at this trade and regret it, especially if Max Castillo, who I know I really love, turns into anything decent as a pitcher well 
Jesse, to take out an insurance policy on George Springer, you're going to have to pay somewhat of a price. George Springer's Agreed. a premium player. And if you were to tell me four years ago that Whit Merrifield was the insurance for George Springer, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> but there's a reason that Whit Merrifield is not an everyday player anymore. And yeah, for a guy who, what, at one point was always in the top five for hits, it seemed, especially, you know, he was carrying a, a bad team. He wasn't on that Kansas City team that won a lot. Right. He was kind of the next bringing the turnovers. Uh, so have you. Um, yeah, he had a good four years. And I think his time as a major leaguer, especially like being an all star and everything like that is done. Um, he, he, you can tell that he's not playing every day for a reason, Jesse. And yeah, I, I'm not going to sink too much into it. If Max Castillo goes out and ends up winning 10 games next year, I still think we lost the trade. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's there's not a lot on on Merrifield. He's not going to be here a long time. He's a veteran player who's who's quickly declining. And yeah, I never expected extra base hits, but I did expect some hits and maybe, the it's uh, you know, less strikeouts. I think that's the big one, Jesse, is that more strikeouts than hits. It's kind of unacceptable for, you know, a lot of players. Um, and Whit Merrifield, I wouldn't expect that from him. But now watching him in the Blue Jays uniform, you kind of do expect it. Yeah, I'm getting big Melvin Upton Jr. vibes as from uh, Whit Merrifield here. One of those guys that the Blue Jays acquire at the trade deadline that we have uh, that we have high hopes for, but then doesn't really put it together. But he did have a few big hits in the playoffs for us. So maybe Whit Merrifield can do that as well. And Riley, quick, another just thought note I had. Um, when September, the schedule rolled down to September, the Blue Jays called up Casey Lawrence instead of guys like Zach Pop and Julian Merriweather or another catcher. And our thoughts was, yeah, well, it's because he's going to be in the bullpen day. He's going to pitch then. He's going to get a time. And he didn't. He didn't pitch at all in this series in Pittsburgh. Now, not having another one of those bullpen arms didn't seem to hurt the Blue Jays. And hindsight is always twenty twenty. So maybe Casey Lawrence gets into one of these games in the doubleheader against Baltimore here. But yeah, I just... I'm still kind of dazzled why they called him up and not one of these relievers when they could have called up a reliever and then just brought Casey Lawrence up for the double hitter. Anyway, any quick thoughts on that there? Yeah. I mean, it's, he still got options. You can send him up and down in September. Mm. You're going to see a lot, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, at least one more move made for calling guy, calling a guy up and sending a guy down. Um, Casey Lawrence is, is a guy who I don't see in any leverage situations, especially right now. Um, and if you were going to use them, Jesse, I agree. I would have used them against Pittsburgh. Would have saved some of my, um, you know, higher leverage guys. Cause you know, we're going to need our top arms to be pitching against the Orioles. And if Casey Lawrence goes into, in the seventh inning and it's a two, two tie and he bombs, I mean, we know where it went wrong. He should have been used in this series, Jesse. Absolutely. It's kind of a waste. Why do you call him up if you're not going to use him? So if they do use him in this Baltimore series, it's going to be a tough, <clears throat> no matter the score, I think it's going to be tough on him. I would have rather built his confidence up and used him in PNC Park yeah. for this series rather than go to Camden Yards and, you know, potentially get hit, or, <clears throat> hit around by a hot Baltimore team. Let's hope it doesn't come back to burn us here, but I did want to move on and I wanted to talk about some other impact uh, performances that we saw in this series against Pittsburgh, including Jordan Romano, who got saves number 29 and number 30 on the season. He becomes the 12th Blue Jay in franchise history to record 30 saves in one game in game three was his best one. Now he got into a jam second and third with nobody out. And then he went strikeout, strikeout, strikeout to seal the deal and get the save. And Fangraphs has the stat called plus wins. Probably it 
wins probability added, which basically means how much your individual performance has led to your teams getting a win. And Jordan Romano is the number one reliever in all of baseball in that stat. Now, he doesn't qualify complete in total wins probability added because he has had a few blowups early in the year. I remember one against Houston and he had another one, but there is no way this team would be anywhere close to the playoffs if it wasn't for the performance that Jordan Romano was having and what he is doing for this team. I give him a gold star. Mr. Jordan Romano. He's got a gold star for me this year. I mean, you said it right there um, with the 30 saves. That's a number that should jump right off the page. It's not an incredible amount of saves, but the games that he is qualified for a save in, he has certainly shut the door. Yes, of course. You're going to have blown saves. I mean, even the best blue games, right? That's just how, that's how baseball works. But Jordan Romano and his craft and what he does, when you tell me he struck out three guys in a row, I I believe you, and I can almost close my eyes and picture it in my head where those fastballs are going and missing bats, guys mm-hmm. swinging behind him on the on the fastball. He's a thing of beauty to watch out there, man. I'm I think that he's gonna uh, if, you know be in contention for delivery man of the year, whether he gets that award or not, whatever. But Romano should be feeling great about himself, man, for this year's performance. He is quote after the game in game three, because he talked about getting the runners on. He says, you know, not every appearance has to be a beauty pageant. The point is we got the job done and he sure did for uh, Jordan Romano. Another reliever who I was enticed with is Jimmy Garcia. And now he's been great all year. We've talked about him a lot. And I really like how John Schneider wasn't afraid to bring him in in the fifth inning in game two in what was still a 1-1 tie when Yusei Kikuchi had left a few runners on. He faced four batters and got five outs. He got a double play in there as well. Got credited with the win. So good piece of bullpen management, I think, by John Schneider. And also Jimmy Garcia for the guy who's doing it, getting the job done. Quick little thumbs up there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Since we got guys like Zach Pop, who isn't even in our bullpen, our bullpen seems to be doing better. Maybe just certain names are uh, helping guys out and doing a little bit better like that. Maybe Casey Lawrence will jump on that train, Jesse. Who knows? Who knows? Another quick note, uh, Kevin Biggio hit his fifth home run on the season in this series. He's now tied with Lord Escuriel Jr. And if I said that coming into the season, I think that would have shocked you. Um, And I like how he hit it on a high fastball up in the zone. Like the book on Kevin Biggio is to pound him up with those high fastballs because he's got that big loopy uppercut swing. So he really struggles with those. But I think if he can prove that he can hit those pitches, it's a good sign. And I know we give Biggio a lot of hate. He's he's not the guy we thought he could be after his rookie season, but he still has a 107 WRC plus on the season. He's an above average player. And it's good to see that he can combine this good defense with good power. And he's still drawing his walks. So let's not crap the bet on, on Kevin Biggio yet. He's still a valuable member for this team. And his position versatility is something that the Blue Jays uh, scream. We love guys who can play infield and outfield. It's always important, man. I don't. I really don't mind Biggio. And when I saw the notification come up that Biggio had hit a home run, mm-hmm. I was very excited, very happy uh, for that personal accolade. Whatever. I, five home runs. That's that's nothing. That's what catchers in the '60s used to hit for home runs. But he just went out there. And cr- and crushed a high fastball, not even really in the zone. And yeah, not a big fan of his big loopy swing, but yes, still drawing his walks at least. So whatever works for Biggio, if it, I mean, I was going to say if it ain't broken, don't fix it. But there is still a lot of fine tuning left in number eight's game. And you know what? If if Whit Merrifield's not going to be the guy some days and Cavan Biggio is, well, then it's going to be Cavan Biggio and we're going to love it. 
and, and with, with him and Espinal too, Espinal had a big hit in this series. Uh, I think we're going to be just fine. But Riley, we've got a, uh, a little Buds and Blue Jays special right here because the next two players we're going to talk about are some of our favorites. You got Matt Chapman. I got Yusei Kikuchi. Do you want to talk about Matt Chapman in this series? He was drawing a lot of walks. He hit a double. Anything else to add? I, I, honestly, not much. It's a thing I'm not surprised. Um, mm-hmm. Matt Chapman is very underrated, and I'm going to I'm gonna take this to my grave, man, because I will never say Matt Ch- – I will always make up an excuse at least for Matt Chapman. Um, yeah, he's, he's a power hitter. He's going to strike out. And I would I thought about this about two weeks ago. I thought, you know, the strikeout rate's gonna remain like this. And I thought to myself, I would like to see some more walks, maybe mm-hmm. an, some, maybe a, a less aggressive approach to the plate because he goes up there some at bats and he swings hard, man, sure almost does. too almost too hard sometimes. And sometimes I want to just go through the TV and tell him, listen, Matt, like I know what you're trying to do. Just because you were leading the Blue Jays in home runs at one point, that's awesome. And you know what? If you do, that's great. But just take a step back a little bit. Step out of the box. You don't need to rip it every time. You're a strong dude. You know how to hit the ball. Yeah, he's... And, yeah, defensively, I mean, I don't know what the numbers say. Let's pretend that the eyeball test is still a thing. He's a gold glover. He's a gold glover this year. Let's pretend that there's no saber metrics with the funny stuff and he's heavily <laughs> in. His power will turn up. I'd like to see I'd like to see three more home runs um, to cap off his season. Let's try and get him to 30. Maybe that's asking too much, but hey, we'll see. And a quick reminder, since the All-Star break, Matt Chapman is hitting 266, 382, 547, good for a 929 OPS. That'll do, Mr. Matt Chapman. Sign me up for a 900 OPS, man. Mm-hmm. That's some good stuff right there. Now, Riley, what I'm about to tell you about Yusei Kikuchi could not only be big news, but might actually change him. And maybe Yusei Kikuchi's back. Now, no, I might be a little dramatic here, but he hadn't pitched in about a week. And in game two, he got into the series. He pitched two and one third innings pitch, four hits, one and run, one walk, five Ks, and six swings and misses. But Riley, the big thing I took away here from what Yusei Kikuchi did in Pittsburgh is that his spin rates on all four of his pitches were up dramatically. And Riley, maybe it's nothing. Or maybe it's everything. But last year in Seattle, when Yusei Kikuchi's performance really dipped in Seattle, it was right around the time Major League Baseball came out with the sticky substance ban, and they were checking all these pitchers and stuff. Now, I'm not saying Yusei Kikuchi was using spider tack like everyone else, but his numbers also declined dramatically once his spin rates went down. And in this appearance against Pittsburgh, they went back up. So if Yusei Kikuchi is finding a way to grip the baseball better, and if it helps at all for him to be able to throw more strikes and be more consistent look out because the stuff is still nasty and if he can pound that zone we've got a guy in Yusei Kikuchi I mean could be nothing but keep an eye on that I think it's something I mean if you told me that this whole year he just forgot to grip a baseball because they took away the sticky stuff I'm sure he was getting better spin like that in Seattle who cares I don't care it's part of the game baseball is is a game that has had its traditions they threw spitballs and scuff balls yeah, yeah. you know and and, <laughs> and way back there I don't care find a way to grip the ball because you, you can't use the foreign substances I still think it's a little bit silly I mean we're in a time now where we have a potential 60 home run hitter. And if we could knock him down a little bit by having a pitcher go out there with some sticky stuff, I'd love it. But Hey, back on Mr. Kikuchi, when he's not giving up walks, that's a good thing. And what has you say Kikuchi done this year? Sadly, he's really let runners on. Oh yes. (laughs) And it's, and it, it drives me nuts. So when he's able to locate his pitches, 
And as you say, Jesse, our analytics guy, Jesse Burl, knows that his spin rate is up. And I'm surprised you say is it under. Well, you got Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's fine. Bring Kikuchi back if he's doing a good thing. I don't know. You didn't burn the jersey. Probably the best bet because <laughs> those things are expensive. But when you say Kikuchi is on, it's just another piece because for so long this year, man, we have struggled to find quality pitchings, quality starts from certain starters, and Kikuchi was one of them. We put him in the bullpen. So this little re rehab assignment, we'll call it, you know, this experiment could work. Is he going to start a playoff game for us? Oh, no. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. But Something went wrong but, if he started playing for, for us. For, for what it's worth, Jesse, it's still <sighs> – it's still a little bit of light in a dark room when you say Kikuchi is locating his pitches better. I'll just say that it's 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 pitch location. He's had he wasn't as wild in this series, and that's a start. Mm -hmm. Something to build on. Let's see how he goes going forward here. Uh, just one more piece of note: Trevor Richards got the start in Game Two, two innings, one hit, no walks, three strikeouts. And Riley, in fact, over his last seven appearances, seven and a third innings pitch, no earned runs, thirteen strikeouts with no walks. Um, with a FIP in the negatives for Trevor Richards. He's not getting DFA'd. He's a major part of this bullpen. Good stuff from Mr. Richards. Yeah, you just about sent an angry mob after him about 15 episodes ago. I think you <laughs> wanted to kill the guy because he was doing so bad. But yeah, he brought it, man. And like I said, I definitely don't like the opener in baseball. But you know what? <laughs> Trevor Richards went out there and, you know, pitch it's relievers now pitching two innings is, is different. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, they used to, you know, go three innings if they could. And even starting the game, it's a different, uh, different change, some different scenery for Mr. Trevor Richards. So, you know what? He made the most of it, man. And the strikeout numbers are up. And usually if you're striking guys out and not giving up the long ball and you have a negative FIP, you're probably in the right side of the categories there, man. Absolutely. We'll get through our nose and news and notes really quickly here. Santiago Espinal was hit by a pitch on the left ring finger. Uh, it looked a lot worse than it actually is. X-rays came back negative. He's day to day for now. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann's season is officially over. 78 and two thirds innings pitched with a 2.17 ERA and 117 strikeouts, Riley, in those seven, 78 innings, which uh, I thought was amazing. And he only allowed 39 hits all year and made it all the way to double A as a 19 year old. Sky's the limit for this kid. And my personal favorite, Riley, Nate Pearson had his rehab assignment start for the Dunedin Blue Jays, only threw 10 pitches, but got three swinging strikes, two fly ball outs and a ground ball out in his one inning of work and touched as high as 98.9 miles per hour. So Riley, real quick, any quick takeaways on those three points? Yeah, I, I, I really like I like that. I was kind of laughing at you talk about the Pearson things. But when you tell me his velocity, that's when I start to hear, OK, hey, you know what? If he's on a rehab assignment and he's just about 99 miles an hour, I think that, you know what, we could be looking forward to Nate Pearson. I'm not, not this year. Won't be this year, Jesse. But yes, this is a guy with a ton of upside. If he can find his location and, and work his mm -hmm. secondary pitches with that lethal fastball, He'll be one hell of a weapon, dude. There's no question about it. Let's keep an eye on him. He pitches well in the bullpen. There's a chance he could pitch in the playoffs for this team. But Riley, quickly, we're running low on time here, but we're going to Baltimore. We're playing the Orioles. The Jays are three and six against Baltimore this year, seven and three, and Baltimore is seven and three in their last 10 games. 
The Jays are going to have to play well because a bad series here against Baltimore could suddenly sink their playoff chances so they don't look good. Game one, Kevin Gosman against Michael Bauman. Game two, Jose Barrios versus Jordan Lyles. Game three will be Mitch White against Kyle Bradish. And game four will be Alec Manoa against Dean Kramer. Now there is some rain in the forecast, so you might have some rain delays, a little delays and whatnot. But you got a prediction, Riley. Biggest series of the year so far. How are the Jays going to do? I think that we'd take three out of four. I think I oh. say that a lot for three game series, but oh. um, these, these are starting pitchers. The, the Baltimore, I think they're going to be high scoring games. These are pitchers that we should light up, man. We're playing in the biggest ballpark in the American league East, which is going to be great because our hitters can out hit Baltimore's best hitters. I know this for a fact because we see Baltimore. We know that they're hot, but we know Jesse without a doubt in my mind, you say those Michael Bowman and we got, you know, Jordan Lyles like, no, man, we got we're going to get a great start from Gosman, another great start from Manoa, like Mitch White. I don't know what we're going to see. Maybe that's the game we lose. I don't know. But I'm sensing big things, man. My J senses are just a tingling right now. I think it's going to be a great week for us. Still on our road trip, though. Um, but, you know, we moved from playing a team we hardly ever see to a team that we're going to see you know, more than any other team to end this season. This is important, man, because we go, we play them at home in, in a couple weeks or the next weekend. I don't know when we play them next, but I know we play them again after this visiting stand against Baltimore. And I think that we're going to be very successful in both those series. But this one, more importantly, Jesse, I think we take three out of four. I hope so, man. Ross Stripling was asked about what he's looking forward to in the big series against Baltimore this week. And he said, quote, good teams take care of business. We understand that we are the better team and we're going to take care of business. So he sounds determined, ready to go. I like three out of four, Riley. I, I want to say we're going to sweep them. I really do. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Three out of four. At worst, I think we get the split. But I think the Jays have a good head on their shoulders. I think they play well. But I've been bit by this before, but I'm feeling confident too. Let's go three out of four. Let's leave Baltimore with a series win and cement our spot in the playoff spot. We're going to need it, man. Like that Baltimore, we know you say seven, um, seven wins, three losses in their last 10 games. Those are not, uh, you know, numbers to laugh at. This is a team that has literally resurrected itself at middle point of the season and they are one of the hottest teams in baseball. They're not to be taken lightly, Jesse. They're a team that really does scare me right now but i think that we should be able to handle them and handle them well with the starting pitching that we're gonna get i have a really good feeling we're gonna watch gosman do what kevin gosman does and the rest of our starters and bats will pick up from there man and i'm hoping for a more po more power numbers we saw Bo take off in this series well why not lordis why not Teoscar? why not oh, i Vladdy? hope so I well, I think we I think we have one of our big bats is going to come along. Maybe it is Bulbashed again. Who knows? It's going to be an exciting series to watch, and it's going to be an important series to determine the outcome of this season for us, man. Buckle up, Jays fans, because here we go. It's going to be a big one for sure. Uh, that'll do it for episode here today. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, to the show and leave us a five-star review on those podcast streaming platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram as we'll be making content on there all throughout the season and throughout the off season. Riley, anything else to add quick before we get out of here today? No, just for the players out there for the Jays, we just need you to get on base a lot. That's what we're going to do in this series. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to crush in Camden yards. Let's yes, go, sir, Blue buddy. Jays. Let's Thank do it. You. Let's go. We'll see you again then on Sunday to recap that series.